how do you feel knowing that you're able to travel? Able to afford it, even if it's just now and then. Able to hop on a plane and arrive in a completely different part of the world. For me, the answer is grateful. How amazing is it that we not only live in this time where travel is so possible, but that even if you're listening to this, you've done pretty well on the genetic lottery. It isn't necessarily through our own efforts, and it's not our fault either. Living this life of possibility in a positive manner, in my opinion, ideally comes from that place of gratitude. With music from Cody Crabb, writing by Nicole Mello, I'm Hayden Lee. This is Travel Stories Podcast. This is a pretty special episode of the show, as I was first introduced to our guest today very recently. She's a listener to the show whose story I thought was so interesting and her value so impressive that we set it up and got on a call. Sarah Medusky, who blogs over at Obligatory Traveler, is a writer and storyteller. She has three chronic illnesses and a rare heart condition, but what does this do to a sense of adventure and wanderlust? Let's find out. Sarah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be on the show. Awesome. It's good to have you on the show. Now, you're a listener to the show, right? Yes, I am a podcast fangirl of the show, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. How long have you listened to the show? I think I started sometime uh, in the middle of season one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So way back then. (laughs) Yeah, that's back when when I used to do the scores. That's how long ago that is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so glad we have Cody and Nicole now. Cody and Nicole. Oh, man. They're so good. No, yeah, they are. Yeah, especially Cody with the uh, with the compositions are really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, man, I don't know how he does that. Because like when I used to do it, all it was was just me ripping off this Icelandic band called Sigur Ross. You could listen to it and go, oh, that's what Sigur Ross song that is every time. <laughs> So I know that you've got your blog over at The Obligatory Traveler, and I've got to ask, it's such an interesting name for a blog, so why the name? Well, it started out, I was in a writer's group, and at the time it seemed that everybody had a blog that was in a writer's group or that wrote, and at the time I was also doing some rounds of IVF, and it seemed that everybody who did that also had a blog. So I sort of started the blog as a joke with the name calling it well it's my obligatory blog since everyone else has a blog (laughs) oh i love that i love that yeah and then over time it sort of evolved into more of a travel blog and then when i decided to start the website everybody who was already following it sort of knew the obligatory name so i sort of just took it over with me and added it to traveler (laughs) man i love that it's the obligatory blog like yeah of course i have one of course i do (laughs) Yeah, 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 because that's sort of how it felt. Uh, I guess I, I guess I have to have one too. It seems that that's what, the thing to do. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I like that you've kind of linked it in with the travel as well. I mean, I saw on your site that you say you you go traveling to all these different places, but you also see the obligatory things. Like if you're in Paris, you're not gonna not see the Eiffel Tower, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of how my husband and I travel. Well, we like to do the off the beaten path stuff too, but we like to feel that we're not so 
cool that, you know, we're not going to go do the thing that everybody else does when they go to a destination. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, I've said this before. It's like there's a reason that some of these things are as popular as they are. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some that are just popular because they're popular, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think the vast majority of, I mean, like Machu Picchu, you know, I haven't been there myself, but it's kind of, it's one of those obligatory things, but man, I'm sure it's awesome. I keep on hearing oh, yeah. that it's awesome, you know? So I really do see the the idea of going to these obligatory things, you know, they've, they've got to have their value in order to be that popular, surely. Oh yeah, definitely. We went um, cave tubing in Belize and I sort of could feel people's eyes rolling, thinking, oh, cave tubing in Belize, that's the most touristy thing to do there. But we went and did it anyway and had an amazing time. So, yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, like, out, of these, out of these obligatory things that you've, that you've been and done, which one for you, I don't want to say has the most value, but which one were you like, yes, this is awesome and I can see why it's so popular? Was it Belize with the tubing? I would actually probably say seeing uh, Chichen Itza in Mexico was was definitely one where, yes, everybody goes there, everyone sees it, but it's still amazing. And listening to all the history behind it and learning about all the buildings, it was it was a really great experience. Oh, yeah. I keep on hearing about it. I, I really must go. It sounds like somewhere I'd really love. <laughs> So do you mind telling our listeners about your, your health and your travel circumstances at the moment? Yes. I am a little bit of a medical mess. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I have, yeah, I have a bunch of chronic health issues, but I guess what was most interesting was that it all just, a lot of it started when I was in my early 20s and I was diagnosed with lupus. So I have that and then sort of spin-offs from lupus, I've developed some other issues. But this past year in 2016, we went for a trip to Belize and we went zip lining and we had to get it to the top platform. And halfway up the stairs, I just couldn't really breathe anymore. And I had to stop and I took a break and it seemed really odd at the time, but it didn't happen again. So I just chalked it up as a fluke. And then we went to Colorado and I was super excited to go hiking in the mountains and we went hiking up a mountain and I couldn't get up the mountain. At every 20 steps I had to stop. I just could not breathe. And it wasn't it wasn't so much the 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 altitude and it wasn't that I was out of shape. It was just a, it was a different feeling of sucking in breath and feeling like you were only getting small tendrils of air. And that was kind of the point where I thought maybe something's not quite right. So at my next appointment with my rheumatologist, I told her and to her credit, being fantastic, said, we'll look into it. And I had, a, I had some testing done. And as it turns out, I have a, it's a rare, incurable and progressive uh, heart and lung disorder called pulmonary hypertension. And most people don't get diagnosed with it till it's progressed pretty far. It's somewhat rare to get diagnosed with it very early. But for me, it was really early. They feel like it probably had just started. And it was really because I had these two um, significant instances while we were traveling in 2016. 
So I kind of always credit and say that I feel like travel really saved my life because I have a better outcome because of early intervention and kind of finding this out really early. Wow. So what exactly is pulmonary hypertension? I guess it's hard to explain, but you kind of get high blood pressure that builds up, but just in the arteries, or it can be the veins um, that run from the right side of your heart into your lungs. So what it eventually does is it becomes harder for your heart to pump. It has to work extra hard because of this pressure. And eventually it wears down your heart if you don't take medication or anything else to sort of lower the pressure. Wow. No way. I mean, like you say, it's probably a good thing that they caught it early, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's what, yeah. A lot of people don't find out till it's later because they may not find out until they, until they start getting short of breath when they're just kind of doing their normal everyday activities. And, you know, they're not ziplining in Belize or hiking in Colorado or doing kind of things that would trigger episodes. Mm, wow. I mean, I love how you say travel changed your life. Oh, yeah. You know, you can really see that, you know. Oh, it de- yeah, it, it definitely did. Even, you know, all the doctors were surprised. And it's funny because um, we're actually going back to Panama and Costa Rica in about two weeks. And I'm sure they're probably used to all sorts of questions people get when they first get diagnosed. And my first question was, am I going to be able to hike in Panama and Costa Rica? I just want to be able to hike. So that's, that's part, been part of our goal as, uh, you know, as they've been working out a treatment plan for me so that I can hike when I go there. Oh, man. So what does it mean for your, your traveling and your hiking? What does it change about those things? Well, so far for me, flying is okay. I actually had to have an interesting uh, test called a, called a high altitude simulation test where I had to breathe in a mixture of oxygen for about 20 minutes. That would be about the percentage that would be on a plane just to make sure that I could ride on a plane without bringing oxygen with me. And so far I was okay. I passed the test. So flying's okay. Maybe the only uh, one thing is that there probably are some destinations and activities that I kind of had to uh, knock off the list because of being at super high altitude. So no trekking in Nepal, probably no Machu Picchu either for us, just because the altitude would be a little bit too dangerous for me. But it's all right. The world's a really huge place and there's a lot more things at this point I can do. So I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the list is still pretty long. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Even with a few places to, to take off. So, yeah. Yeah. And I do want to speak about lists because you have something very, very interesting on your site. But before we do that, do you have a story for us today? I do. Brilliant. And where does this story take place? story actually takes place in Panama. Ooh, interesting. We haven't had one from Panama for a while now. So if you could give this story a name, what would you call it? I would call it Unexpected Wildlife. Ooh, oh man, I'm just thinking what that could be. (laughs) (laughs) I love when the titles of the stories are kind of ambiguous and I'm just there like, I wonder what that could be, man. (laughs) (laughs) Rightio. So you are listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Sarah Meduski with Unexpected Wildlife. It was our first trip to another country, and we fell in love. 
We fell in love with Panama. We fell in love with travel. We fell in love with the crazy rush we were getting from the deluge of new. We decide to go for a hike in the jungle. I'm searching every tree branch, desperately hoping for my very first glimpse of a swath. We approach a suspension bridge. It's one of the bridges you would have seen in travel magazines or on all the travel websites. So we stop and we take a whole bunch of uh, look at us on the super cool bridge pictures. Now, our guidebook instructed that if we wanted to see wildlife, you had to be really quiet on the trails. So we tread lightly and silently. Our ears become so accustomed to the quiet and all the background jungle noises that when we hear voices, we jump. Now, we're a little creeped out because there was no one on the trail in front of us and there's no one on the trail behind us. I kind of start to wonder that maybe we were just kind of imagining things when we hear the voices again. We discover that we're standing on a ridge and we look down and over and we see what appears to be a cement pool. Scattered around the pool are various articles of clothing. In the pool, we see that there is a couple and they are canoodling in the pool, sands the scattered around clothes. Slowly, our predicament becomes clear. If we move forward on the path, the path touches the cement pool. So we have no choice. We have to walk past the couple. Looking back and being more seasoned travelers, the situation doesn't actually seem like it's that big of a deal. But this was our first time out of the country and I'm a girl who really likes to be prepared. I knew how to thwart pickpockets. I knew what to do if we came upon a poisonous snake. But none of the books or the forums gave any type of tactics as to what to do if you encountered a pair of frolicking lovers on a hiking trail. Using a mixture of gestures and whispers, we decide to come up with a plan. We quietly backtrack just a little bit, and then we proceed forward trying to seem totally natural while making a lot of two hikers are coming down the trail and they might see you in your birthday suit noise. Our steps are heavy. I rustle a couple of what I hope are non-poisonous plants and really terrible, a natural dialogue comes out of our mouths. 
Now, when we get to the pool, we get to see the skinny dippers playing. He's outside of the pool and he's reclined on the ground and she is uh, draped over top of him and they're just barely covered with a towel. Hola, they greet in unison and then they erupt into a volcano of giggles. Uh, Hola, we respond in a way that says, we promise we will be out of your way in just a second. Suddenly, I panic because we have completely lost the trail. We cannot find it anywhere, and we're looking, and I am ready to just forge a path through the jungle brush. I can just feel the lover's eyes on us, and they really just want to get back to their canoodling. I finally spot the trail, and we kind of just go for it. And once we're an appropriate uh, distance away from the pool, we kind of stop and then we have our own laughing fest. It was a really good lesson that taught us to always expect the unexpected while traveling. There were no sightings of sloths or toucans or monkeys for us that day. The only wildlife that we encountered were the two skinny dippers. I still think about the couple from time to time. I wonder if they're still together. I wonder if they still live in Panama. But most of all, I wonder if every so often at parties, they pull out the story about the time two hikers caught them skinny dipping. That was Sarah Medusky with Unexpected Wildlife. Sarah, that was awesome. It truly was unexpected. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, that was definitely one of our, so far, our, one of our favorite things that happened to us. Looking back on it, at the time, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. And you said something really interesting in there. You said, looking back, looking back on it now as the travelers we are today, like you can see it differently. You can see that it's not really that big of a deal in, in your current eyes. And I find that's really interesting. I think that's something that always kind of happens. You look back after some experience and you go, man, what was I worrying about? Or what, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. That type of thing. And can you think of any other times in your in your travels that you've that you've experienced something and it's such a big deal, but then you look back on it now and you're just kind of like, well, why was I worried about that? <laughs> I think uh, also on that same trip when we went to Panama, we had a really bad experience at one of the hotels we stayed at and we decided, oh no, we just can't stay here anymore and we really have to find another place to stay. And I think it was another thing where we were pretty calm about it, but it was still something that once it all worked out, we thought, hey, that that worked. It worked out. And I think it was sort of a surprise in the end that, you know, something that at first thought, how are we how are we going to get out of here? How are we going to find a place, to, another place to stay? 
And then it was totally cool. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like travel is a muscle, and like the more that you train it, the more that you exercise, the more experience you have, the easier it gets. Oh yeah. It's kind of like if you train in muscles and like you've never lifted a barbell before, and then you go to lift it, and your body's like, no, 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 that ain't happening. But then after you know, give it a year of training, you just look at the same barbell that you started with, and your body just goes, yeah, I can lift that. It's just a barbell. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's kind of the same in travel. You know, it's like the first time you travel, you're in some weird hostel, and like you can't get to sleep because there's a guy snoring, and it's <laughs> like the worst day of my life. <laughs> But then four or five years in, you're just like, well, this is actually quite a nice hostel. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it I think it's it. definitely, yeah. I think it definitely helps you kind of hone your uh, problem solving skills for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, the things that seem like big, giant things at the start, day ruining, week ruining, month, year ruining things, life ruining things. You just kind of, after a while, you just kind of laugh them off. <laughs> oh, definitely. Especially when you look back and think what a hilarious situation some things are looking back on them when in the moment you might have had sort of some sort of panic at the time. Oh, totally. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And if you, can, if you can live in that mindset, you just find everything hilarious, I suppose. <laughs> now, there's something I wanted to go back to. I was talking about just before the story. Now, on your site, you have this this list, right? And it's, what is it, a list of places you want to go and things you want to do? Yeah, it's, it's a little mixture of everything. Sometimes it's experiences and sometimes it's places we want to go. I was, I was hearing uh, when Nate was on and he was sort of talking about having their bucket list. And I feel that for us, it's less of a goal and more direction-based because it limits the kind of sitting around saying, you know, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Or what do you want to do when we get there? I don't know. What do you want to do when we get there? So having the list gives us direction for when we go somewhere to say, oh yeah, look, that's uh, something on our list and we can do that there. So it kind of helps make decisions. Mm, yeah. So if you were, if you were in a place, you could just look on the list and go, hey, what can we do nearby here? You know, it kind of fills the, yeah. fills the time. Yeah. So what would be, what would be criteria for something to make it on the list? What would make you go, right, that is going on the list? I'm not sure. It's a lot of the times it's me being obsessed with going on Pinterest and Instagram. And every time I see something, and really the list started because I want to go everywhere and do absolutely everything. And I would just rattle off things to my husband all the time saying, oh, we should go here. We should go there. Oh, we sh should definitely go zip lining and we should do this and that. And he used to just come back and say, put it on the list. <laughs> and so eventually I got around to actually making an actual list to put things on. <laughs> Yeah, it's like turning the phrase into an actual thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Look, I've got a list. I need the actual list now. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I'll just, uh, watching vloggers and other bloggers and I'll just see something and say, well, I guess that's got to go on the list now. <laughs> yeah, man, I bet every single day you're adding something to the list. Definitely. It's kind of come to the point where I kind of only have to put the very top things on there and then other things I might save into Pinterest or something for for future lists uh putting on <laughs> <laughs> so yeah not only do you have the list but you have future lists yeah of yeah. lists there's sort of a yeah there's like a there's like a sub list <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, I love that. So, I mean, you're 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 set now, right? Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely no uh, lack of things to do. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, I love I also love how you say that you want to go everywhere and see everything, right? So, some people would see your your health as potential restrictions for travel, potential reasons why you can't travel. So what gives you through this, what gives you your drive to continue traveling and continue exploring and continue going through the list? Well, I would say it kind of it kind of all stems back uh, to maybe the start of the mindset of, you know, when I was a teenager, my mom died and at that point, I had sort of an epiphany of, wait, you know, not everyone lives until they're 80. Some people might die when they're 50 or, you know, maybe even when they're 20. So for me, life's short and actually having a whole bunch of medical conditions and kind of always being an unknown as to how they could affect me in the future. It's sort of the mindset of life's short. I have to see everything. I have to see it as much as I can because you sort of just never know when a time's going to come. You're not going to be able to see it anymore. So I think it sort of comes a little bit from that. <laughs> wow. So when you first found out about, about your health issues, like not only did that save your life, but it also gave you this new perspective on life in a way that you're not going to be around forever. None of us are. And to to really live life, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, it's the idea of kind of waking up each day and saying, well, heart's beating and I'm breathing. Oh, I can move around. So let's make this an awesome day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it's I guess it's this idea of gratitude, right? Oh, yeah. And I think if you if you don't have something like this happen to you or or anything bad in your life happen to you, I think it's hard to tap into this way of thinking, to tap into that mindset of like, hey, I'm I'm not going to be around forever, you know. It's it's kind of I think we take it for granted, you know. We know we what well, we don't know, but we think we're going to be alive tomorrow. It's just Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's like, what is it? It's like a, a one in many trillion chance of you being alive and you actually being you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those numbers are ridiculous. And I think, I mean, even that we're born into this age and we can just get on a plane and fly oh, yeah, somewhere, yeah. you know, I think with that, it's really easy to take it for granted. And I mean, it goes, it goes even further than that, right? We can be grateful and feel lucky that we were, you know, born in the USA, like Bruce Springsteen. We, we were born in the UK, born in a first world country. We have the ability, we have the funds, we, we do have this ability to travel and to do more or less what we would like to. Oh, no, I totally agree. I think it, when you start having the mindset of life is being short and I don't have a lot of time and I have to make the most of it, it kind of... It, it for me at least makes me not want to be negative. I don't want to be negative or full of anger or hatred. I don't want to rant and rave about things all the time and all those sorts of things. I feel like that like you're wasting it. You're wasting your time doing that. You could be doing something awesome. Do something <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I yeah. So it definitely cuts out negativity. I I kind of always feel like uh, you know when it's all said and done, I'm never going to say, gee, I wished I had more uh, fights with people on Facebook, but I definitely will think, 
man, I wish I saw, I wish I could have seen the sunrise, you know, over Angkor Wat or something like that. So. <laughs> I love that. That's so well said. So well said, man. <laughs> it's like, Sarah, why are you never sad? <laughs> well, I just don't yeah, have the yeah. time. <laughs> pretty mu- that's pretty much my answer. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like if you if you shrink it down, you know, imagine we don't live to 80, 90 or whatever, and you shrink it down, you're only going to live five days, right? You're born and then you've got five days to do everything. Right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, a guy's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm pretty sad. And a guy's like, man, you've got three days. You've got three days left. Come on, let's do something. Yeah, yeah, just just enjoy it. <laughs> That's amazing. I was thinking about this recently, actually. I was thinking about positivity and negativity, and I can't remember where I was reading it, right? But it's this theory. It's called the space between. And it's really easy for me to remember because it's a Dave Matthews band song and they're amazing. You know? <laughs> but the theory is that there's a space between the stimulus and the response. So Something happens to someone and it's an external thing and external things aren't positive or negative. You know, some could be positive for some people and negative for others. The exact same scenario. So external things aren't positive or negative, right? And between the stimulus and the response, there's a space between. And in this space is where we decide if this thing is positive or negative. And we also decide how we react to the stimulus, our response, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so interesting. What do you think about it? I think it makes total sense. I think maybe it's nice to take a pause and be mindful in a situation and really ponder it and see how should I react to this. I think people sometimes tend to just hurry up and re- you know react to something without really thinking about it first. And I do I do like to think about things. Um, And it doesn't mean that I don't get mad sometimes or when my laptop recently died, I wasn't a sobbing mess for about five minutes, (laughs) but I, I, I try to take those moments and hold them kind of lightly and then just let them go and then regroup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's the healthy way to look at it. I think with, with negative people, they're automatic response would just be negative their space between would be very very small and their automatic response is negative but with with me i think it's my problem it's not healthy (laughs) but my automatic response is positivity i just always go to that positive place you know yeah no i i often do too because the kind of thought is "Ah, it'll it'll work out i'm sure something will will happen it'll be fine so i'm (laughs) not but how many times does it work out uh Quite a bit. Yeah, I would say it usually always works out. And I'm a pretty good problem solver, too. So kind of someone that if there is a problem, I I just want to, like, tackle it full force and and solve it or fix it or do, you know, do some sort of action right away to make it better. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's like the the proactivity of it. You know, it's yeah, I love that. And I mean, this is, I mean, this is a bit of a weird question, I guess, but with your, with your condition, it's got this incurableness for want of a better word. And so for someone that wants to just jump in and kind of correct everything and be proactive about stuff, was it difficult having that kind of outside of your control? I suppose, I think because I have a whole bunch of other health issues, it it definitely helped that I've kind of been through the the spiel I guess (laughs) if you want to say before of you know because lupus is sort of the same thing there is not really a cure for that I have another thing that makes um my blood clot 
and I had a pulmonary embolism. And I think I'm just still much more thankful for the amount of times I could have died, which sounds terrible. But, um, you know, when I had the pulmonary embolism, the doctors said, wow, you are really lucky to be alive. And my husband and I started cracking up and they were so upset at it. And we just sort of looked at them and said, if, if you knew if you knew how many times I've, I've heard that already, that you would also find this humorous. They still didn't, but we still did. But yeah, I suppose it's sort of, yeah, the incurable nature and the fact that it's also progressive. So over time, it, it will eventually get worse, most likely. But like I said, I kind of, I'm kind of more of someone who looks at things one day at a time, or I try not to look too much in the future. I, I want to know what I can do today. What am I going to do today? And when something happens in the future, then that's good. Then that, that'll come up and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do that day. So. Wow. I mean, I just think it's amazing (laughs) how you have this, this positivity. You're radiating this positivity, man. That's. I can't, I can't can't wallow and be sad. There's no time. (laughs) (laughs) yes bringing it back i love it well thank you so much for coming on sharing your story sharing your vulnerability and sharing your feelings with everyone here that's that's amazing so if anyone would like to reach out to you and maybe ask you how you stay so positive all the time (laughs) where can they reach you i am at obligatorytraveler.com and you can also find me on Twitter at Obliga Travel, or yeah, it's Obliga Traveler on uh, Twitter because it has to shorten it. So, and I'm definitely always up for any, if anybody has lupus or pulmonary hypertension or e- any other kind of chronic illness, I'm definitely up for messages. And if you want any advice or just a chat, I'm totally up for it. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, thanks for having me on. I was super excited because I'm definitely a fan of the show. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you definitely have to come on for a round two sometime. That'd be fun. (laughs) Would love to. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Sarah. It's been awesome talking to you. All right. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Travel Stories Podcast. Every day I get more and more grateful for you guys, our listeners, and it really means a lot that you tune in each week. Let us know if you enjoyed this episode on TravelStoriesPodcast.com or by subscribing in iTunes. We'd love to have you over at our Facebook page. Just search Travel Stories Podcast and come and get involved. The team's always there to chat about travel, podcasts, composition, writing, or anything else at all. You can also drop us a line at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. We do answer everything. On behalf of myself and the team, thanks again for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it and would love for you to join us next week for another episode of the Travel Stories Podcast.